We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Five weeks we've been in Jonah. Uh, We've talked through week one the fact that Jonah was there on the dry land disobeying God as he ran from God. And then two and three weeks into it, we looked at the fact that Jonah was on the sea fighting with God. And then in chapter 2 last week, we talked about prayers. We see Jonah there under the sea pleading with God. And today we're going to look at the fifth sermon in Jonah as we see Jonah on land obeying God. So we see this contrast, so to speak, here in this outline uh, and I want us to realize the fact that there is, there is some connection to disobeying God and fighting with God. Many times in life we, we do things that, that God doesn't necessarily want us to do and we end up fighting with God. We, we struggle with God. It's because we're being disobedient. And then there's this contrast also that there is this pleading that takes place when we are a city on our knees, when we are a nation on our knees, when we are a body of Christ on our knees, when we are individually as Christians on our knees, there's this connection gives way to obeying God. And we've learned that we can't run from God or His calling in our lives. We've learned that praying to some created God or to relying on mankind can never take care of our needs we must simply rely on God and we must remember that we have to develop a healthy fear a healthy reliability on the Lord Jesus Christ and last week we learned the fact that we must pray we need to have a steady prayer life and pray in our times of needs Pray with obedient minds and pray with an anticipation that the King of kings and Lord of lords is for us, not against us, and that he will bring us forth and bring us through whatever it is in our lives that we are going through. Last week, we looked at Jonah's prayer and the fact that we saw different prayer than what we would have expected to see, at least what I thought I would have seen in the life of of Jonah. We see this prayer of repentance rather than uh, we don't see the prayer of repentance like, okay, Lord, forgive me for I've, I've run from you. I've, you know, I've done all these things against you. Yet we see a prayer of thanksgiving that really brings out the fact that this man really relies and trusts in his God, no matter his situation, no matter his wrongdoings, that God still loves him, cares for him, and he has confidence in God. So he prays a prayer of thanksgiving. It was this level of high expectation that Jonah has. And when Jonah goes as low as he could possibly go, God begins to get through to him. Last week we see Jonah, that he's now willing to obey the words of the Lord. And so there are three things this morning that I want us to see in our text. There are a lot of things really going on in this text and, and not enough time to really bring every aspect of it out. But three things, three simple truths that we see in the text this morning I want us to see is number one, I want us to see that, that we see God speaking to Jonah once again. We see God speaking to Jonah. Secondly, we see God speaking to Nineveh. And then thirdly, we see God responding to Nineveh's ways. We read throughout the book of Jonah 
the fact that we see this sovereignty of God that exists in the book, it's so very clear that, that God is in control of everything that's going on in their lives. And He is able to accomplish the very thing that He wants to accomplish. Chapter 1, we see the great storm that was created by God Himself. We see the fact that God was able to immediately stop the storms. And then we see that God is able to bring up the great fish to swallow up Jonah. And then in chapter 2, we see God making this fish listen to him and obey him as he goes and spits Jonah out on the dry land. There's no doubt that God is in control. God is working something out here through the life of this man, Jonah. And so we begin by looking at point number one. We see God speaking to Jonah. God has already instructed this prophet, this man, Jonah, in the very first chapter. We've already once, he's already once called him to do a task for God and seeing that God uh, speaks isn't something completely new in Scripture because we see that throughout all of the Word of God as God communicates to his people, to his children, to his nation. And just as God spoke to them, so he still speaks to you and to me even today. We see him really speak in two different functions, in two different ways. We see it through, number one, his general revelation. We see it, secondly, through his special revelation. General revelation is the way in which God reveals himself through what we can see as the creation in which he created. So when you look at me and I look at you, we see something uniquely different about us and how we are created. We see something magnificent. When we look out into the skies in the evenings, we see the stars and we see the the moon and we see the different planets as we look through science. This is his general revelation. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim his handiworks. God maybe doesn't speak, but his glory His creation declares, I am God, and I exist, and I created you, and I created the animals, and I created the wind and the breeze, and I created the germination process, and I created all of the animals which we so graciously enjoy. I created it all. But then we see there's also special revelation in which God speaks to us, and he speaks to others. As he communicates in Scripture, we see it often through dreams, through vision. Even in Jonah, through the casting of lots, God communicates. He communicates through his angels, through his prophets, and through even direct voice from the burning bush of man in the wilderness. Just like he did in chapter 1. And now we're here again in chapter 3. And we see him speaking again. For you and for me, we hear God through his word. Now, I would never put God in a box and say that God can't speak through dreams. But I will tell you this. If you hear a voice from God or God speaks to you through a dream, it will never contradict his word. Ever. 
There are many people who have been deceived by the enemy. The father of lies, the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy because they heard a voice from God. Whether it was him or not, we don't know. But we know when we know that it contradicts his word. God speaks to us through his word in 2 Timothy 3.16. And Isaiah 55.11 tells us, So is my word that goes forth from my mouth. It is not to return empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The Bible is God's direct word to you and to me. Everything we need to know in order to live a godly life and to rely on him. Second Peter 1.3 declares, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God communicates to us through his word. That is why we preach from the scriptures. That is why we tell people about the word of God in the workplace. That is why we tell people the word of God for encouragement, for counseling, for admonishment. Because it's the word of God that has power to change the hearts of men and women. Because it's God's word and how he speaks to us. Some have said comments like, you know, over the years as I've pastored, I remember specifically one event in Montana. Um, there was a young lady who hadn't been to church for years, and her father invited her. He was, he was on the deacon board, and, and she came, and I, I'd never met her, and I preached a message, and the dad told me, um, Dad, I'm never coming back to that church again because you told him my business. <laughs> No, no, no. I didn't, I didn't get your business. The Holy Spirit's in the business of convicting hearts. Uh, we as pastors are not called to police preach. We're called to preach the word of God. That's why I love preaching verse by verse because I, I can preach without an agenda. Rather, let the scriptures teach what is teaching and, and let you deal with the Holy Spirit how he deals with you. God's word is active. It's alive. And it's convicting And it's designed to change us and to mold us and to make us more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And when we do things that we're not supposed to, God wants to convict our hearts so that we can stop because he loves us. And he knows that sin brings forth death, even for those who are in Christ. Here in this text this morning, Jonah 1-2, we see God speaking again to Jonah. He says, now the word of the Lord came to to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. And just like in chapter uh, 1, God calls him to arise and to go to Nineveh. Why Nineveh? Because that's where God wants him to go and to do what he wants him to do. Now listen, I don't really know where Tarshish is, but I know where Joppa is. And it's there on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea. And since Jonah got into the boat there in the Mediterranean Sea, I would have to believe that when Jonah got spit out of the great fish, it was on to dry land because that's what the Scripture says, somewhere along that line of the Mediterranean Sea. And so Jonah's now standing there, and I'm sure that he's um, 
a little wore out from being in the belly of a fish, God spit him out and he's standing there on the shoreline of the Mediterranean probably and God speaks to him again, giving Jonah a similar instruction but yet a little different. So let's compare. Chapter 1 verse 2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh the great city, cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me. Chapter 3, verse 2, our text today says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city. Proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. And so we see, he says in verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, Cry against it. And in chapter 3, verse 2, he says, Proclaim the proclamation to which I'm going to tell you. The first time that God gave him instructions, he doesn't really seem specific in exactly. He just gives them some kind of vague idea, go cry against it. The second time, God seems to be more specific in his approach. God says, go and proclaim it the proclama- go 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 proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you God says I'm going to provide for you that very thing don't go tell them Jonah what you think they need to hear or what you think I'm trying to tell you to say but rather hear what I'm going to tell you and say what I'm going to say he didn't need to be creative he didn't need to do anything but speak the words that God would reveal and speak to him Even today, listen, we don't need new truth. We don't need any new truth. Scripture is complete, it's full. It's everything we need. We need not add to it nor take away from it. We don't need this new revelation or or add anything to the Word of God because it's sufficient. And this is what God's trying to communicate to Jonah, this man. See, sometimes we want to help out God. And so we either withhold information or, or give some extra to kind of help God along in the salvation process, to help God along in the, in the helping process. When really it begins with us simply preaching the Word and getting on our knees. We know people in here this morning who have never prayed to receive Christ. We need to t- teach them the Word and to be on our knees and praying for them. His word is sufficient. And how we respond to that is important. Listen, the proper response to the proclamation of God should be just what we see here in Jonah 3.3, not like we see in 1.3. He says here in 3-4, through So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly a great city, a three days walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. In chapter 1, we see the disobedient response as God gives him direction to go to Nineveh, but we see now a changed man. Through his trials, through his tribulations, we see a man that's now obedient to God. He's following the directions of God. And we have to become tuned into that yet small, still voice in our lives. This week, God has spoken in my heart so much through His Scripture. It's that small, still voice. 
through different sermons that I've listened to, through different radio stations that have had a scripture of the week, God's validating over and over and over trust in me. Trust in me. That's what God wants to do. He wants to speak to us so that we can obey what he's got to say. So he arises and he goes to Nineveh. Now this week, I know that some of you have taken the challenge of of pleading with God this week and praying with God this week and through that God has spoken to your heart. Now the question you have to ask is how have we acted? What have we done to do that? Have we acted on it? Responded to it? Jonah acted, and so he makes it to Nineveh, we are told, of this great city that he goes to. It's called exceedingly great. And it's told that, that it's a three days walk. Now some, uh, there's question to what that really means. It could be, it's maybe a three mile radius, or it may be three miles across the city. I don't know, the text doesn't tell. It's just that it's exceedingly great in a three days walk. What I find interesting is that he walks only a day and a half before he starts proclaiming. Whatever the case is, is he gets there and he proclaims. Now, we, we know he's proclaiming because he says, Yet 40 days and then it will be overthrown. It seems like God has given him what he's to say. And so now they have the option of listening and responding or they have the option of rejecting and Turning away. And so I said, secondly, we need to realize that we see God speaking to Nineveh. Notice I didn't say Jonah speaking to Nineveh, but rather God, because God is speaking through Jonah. God made it clear that Jonah was to speak only that which God was to give him. And he cries out, yet 40 days and they will be overthrown. Then we see in, in Jonah 3, 5, Then the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called to fast and put on sackcloth, and from the greatest to the least of them. I think this is great. I think this is a great thing. I think it's, it's a wonderful encouragement to see a place such as Nineveh. You remember the, the people that were cutting off the lips and the ears of people? And they were so brutal. But God has called them to repentance, says that they believed God. You could read this passage, then the people of Nineveh believed what God had said through Jonah, the things that they are doing really shows that they believe the word. You see, their belief is shown by their actions. And I want you to understand this morning, sometimes our actions show what we really believe. For many, listen, I grew up, as an American, and I always understood America to be a Christian nation. That's not the case so much anymore. Although we do live in a nation that should be considered a Christian nation, but the fact is, is it doesn't look like one. There is a reality in which this country is not following God. And many who profess Christ within the churches of America, within the streets in which we live today, live lives without repentant hearts. And today we got to stop. 
And we got to say it begins with me. I can't worry about you and you can't worry about me, but I can worry about me. And I can have my relationship with the Lord in tight sequence where God is doing some great things, great work. But I can't worry about what everybody else is doing, but I can tell you this. This nation responded to God and we'll learn that God has great mercy on them. We don't ever need to repent over and over for salvation. I was just so happened that I was standing out while Jack was preaching Wednesday. And he nailed it. He nailed it when he said that you don't need to repent over and over for your sins that Jesus has already paid for on the cross and put him back on the cross. Because your salvation is secure if you truly believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your sanctified is different. Your sanctification is different. You've been justified if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But now our sanctification is something completely different. We repent of our sins. We, we, we follow things like 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and righteous. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because we still live in this flesh. And we're still going to do things outside of what God calls us to do because as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to struggle with that flesh. We're justified. We don't claim 1 John 1, 9 so that we can be saved again. That's what the charismatic movement believes. That you sin once, you lose it, you got to pray again and put Jesus back on the cross. No, Jesus has died once and for all to tell us that. He said it's finished. But there is this reality that exists that we must be sanctified. You see, we're not, we haven't completed the sanctification process. We'll do that when we reach glorification. You have justification, sanctification, and then glorification when we see Jesus Christ face to face. Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. May it never be. How should we who died to sin still live in it? You see, we are to repent day in and day out that we might walk in the newness of life. That we might walk in fellowship with the Father. That we quench not the Spirit of God. And so the reality is we have to be very careful that we don't, that we don't miss what Paul's saying. No, we can't go on sinning over and over habitually. We need to ask, has God genuinely changed our heart? Because the Bible I read says, off with the old and on with the new. But so many times we want to get back in the old car and drive it around because we enjoy driving in the old car. When God's given us a brand new Ferrari, we can drive around. And he sees us as righteous and holy and perfect. Why? Because we've been crucified with Christ. This is Christ. This is us. We who, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So God sees me. He doesn't see me. He sees Jesus Christ. We've been washed in the blood of the Savior once and for all. We are in the sanctification process in which God is changing us. And God is molding us and God is making us. And we as a nation need to re re repent of what, what we're doing that is against God. All of these things that we're doing as a nation, not protecting the unborn. It's a, it's a modern holocaust that's taken place in our day. That baby inside that womb is a baby from the day of conception. 
And if we, it doesn't start, if it doesn't start here with us supporting and being pro-life and realizing that this child in the womb is so vitally important, oh boy, God's not going to be mocked. We have to protect the unborn. Deanne has an event that's coming up at one of the local uh, care ministries, pregnancy centers, where we can donate different items. What a great opportunity to minister to those families. Are you aware that there is just now, this this last week, um, it's now required by law that that every pregnancy center (laughs) now reports to the patient the option of abortion. This nation's turning quick. And we are to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some things we stand for and there are some things we don't stand for. And some of these are vital to the ministries in which God... Listen, there's a pastor in Georgia and his, his sermons have all been relinquished and they're going over them. It's, we're, we're living in, in crazy days. In the days that we, we preach, oh, you know, one day it's going to happen. One day it's, it's, we're, it's before our eyes. It's taking place. This great nation that used to be so great, and, and it is still a great nation, don't get me wrong. And God's still blessing it in great ways. But if we're not careful, He will punish us. Just like He's going to, to make threats against Nineveh, I'm going to, to, to destroy it. You don't change your ways. And they repented. From the greatest to the least, from the richest to the poorest, from the cities to the suburbs, from the subdivisions to the trailer parks, from the strongest to the weakest, they all repented. And it didn't begin with the big guys. It didn't begin with the king. It began with the common people. Because listen to what it says in verse 6, when the word reached the king. You know, a lot of times we have this idea that we need to go and, and proclaim the news, the, the, the great news to the biggest important people first. That's not necessarily the case because God understands He chooses the weak things of the world to shame the wise. He can use you to make great impacts for the kingdom of God. He can use you to transform and to maneuver a nation and it begins right among you as an individual child of God. When the word reached the king and then he arose from his throne, laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and set in ashes. He issued a proclamation and it said, In Nineveh, by decree of the king and his nobles, do not let man, beast, herd, flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. Both man and beast must cover themselves with sackcloth. Let, let men call on God earnestly that each may turn from his wicked ways. From the violence which is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and withdraw his burning desire or burning anger so that we will not perish. The change has started among the, the, the common people. The proclamation was made to the wild animals that they weren't to eat and weren't to drink, all of these things. He almost went a little overboard, but the fact is, he said, let us not wait. Let us do it now. Let us repent. Let us ask for forgiveness so that God can begin to move and to make 
to do great things. And now I say this morning for us, let us not wait. Let us not wait for the storms of life, for the threat of warning from God before we begin to listen and heed what God has said to us as a people. Jonah had to. Nineveh had to hear it. And if we start praying to God that we need him and we desire him to change this country and our people and the churches in America, starting with us believers, God will do some great things. We may end up going through some really hard times and maybe even some judgments for God because God spoke judgments. And Jonah listened. God spoke judgments to Nineveh and they listened. And so it's important that we too hear what God is saying as God speaks to them. We see God speaking to Jonah. We see God speaking to Nineveh. But then lastly, we see the responding of Nineveh to God's ways. Remember, God said that I want Jonah to cry out to the city of Nineveh. And that's just what he did. But something happened after the fact. Once Jonah gave God's message to Nineveh, they responded, they repented. And then we hear of the great mercy of God, the the grace of God. Remember, God's grace and God's mercy extends to all people in all places and all generations for those that trust in Him. When God saw their deeds, that they had turned from their wicked ways, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. You see, God is watching how they responded. And I want you to know God is watching how we respond. If you've never professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, He wants you to respond today. Because if we don't respond, there is a calamity that is ahead. There is a separation between God and you in the end. And God wants you to come to Him. God wants us as a nation to turn back to Him in prayer and to relent and to to be changed. And it starts with us as individuals. God sent Jonah to warn. And God has sent Jesus to warn us, to call us to repentance, to call us to a place of change. It's God's way of providing mercy and grace to each one of us. Whatever circumstance you're in today, your storms may look a lot different than Jonah's. Your Nineveh may look a lot different than Jonah's. But the fact is, is God is still the same God that desired Nineveh to be changed, to be, to be forgiven, and to fall under His grace. And He desires for you to fall under His grace. It doesn't matter how ugly it is. God, with all the power He inhales, When we trust in Him, hell will never conquer us. And so I believe that if we start right here by by guiding all people of all backgrounds into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope, God will begin to work and to change this community for greater good, for His glory and for His honor. Let's pray.